And Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we go into your word now, Lord, that your hand would be on us. Lord, that you would come and you would speak to us, Lord. And Father, that you would just come and work through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, please take your seats. I'm going to go and preach and we're going to worship again. I know it's a little bit different tonight. I've just, I've asked Renee just to carry on playing for me in the background. Because I really feel that tonight God wants to deal with something that doesn't normally get dealt with in church. And tonight I want to speak about an orphan heart. What does it mean to have an orphan heart? And physical orphans are those that don't have moms and dads. And I want to ask tonight, is there anyone here that has been an orphan that has ever been adopted? We have one orphan that's been adopted here. And tonight you know that God has adopted us into his family. And we look at biblical examples of orphans was Lot, Esther. There was a guy in the, in the Bible, I'm going to try and pronounce him. His name was Athibosheth. And he was one of Saul's children. But he couldn't walk. His legs were, he, he what, what happened was when, when King Saul actually died, they tried to run away because king, because it was normal tradition for the new king to kill the previous king's kids. And they tried to run away. And when he was a baby, he got dropped. And it actually caused him not to be able to walk. And King David went and he went and he actually looked. And he wanted to find out if there was anyone left of King Saul's table of kids. And what he did was he took this young man and he brought him into his royal place next to his table and he gave him a seat at his table and he ate with the king for the rest of his life. And there are examples of those that are orphans in the church. And the Bible it tells us, but God wants to become a father to the fatherless. And that is why the church exists. Because this church here, what has been built here, what has been planted, Josh Jane 412 is, a, is an extension of God wanting to bring those that are fatherless into a home, into the Father's house. Jesus says to his disciples in John 14 verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you again. That was at the end of when Jesus was taken up into heaven, just before he said to them, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus was not their physical father, but yet he adopted the disciples as his own children. And what he did was he actually came and he wanted to work in people's lives. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to come and work in us. And the thing is, is in the state of our hearts, we develop as an orphan, we develop a fear of man. We're scared of what people will think of us. We're scared of how they view us. We have this incredible fear of failure. Like we feel that like we're just going to fail at everything that we do. 
We have this fear of rejection. That people will reject me if I do something wrong. They'll reject me for if I say something wrong. And we have a fear of abandonment. Because we're so scared of being abandoned. And the hardest thing is, is that an orphan spirit lives in religious people. And religion is what's left once we have no relationship with Jesus. Because we can have church just like religion. Like we can do this religiously. Every Sunday you can come. You can come to church. You can come stand here. You can raise your hands. You can sing all the songs. You can do all of this. But you can do it out of a place of religion because it's not a relationship with Jesus. And religion can happen to anyone who loses a revelation of who Jesus is. In Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But I'll go back. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And everything we do out of a place of religion if we do not live in a revelation with Jesus, it just becomes something that we do. But God wants to come and he wants to take that out of us. You know, I can take my Bible. I can read it every day. But unless there's no revelation in what I'm reading, this book is useless. Because it needs to become life. If this book has no life, I can take it and I can throw it out the door. But unless there is this revelation of understanding who Jesus is, we do things out of a place of religion. It becomes like I can love my wife. I can be an incredibly married man. I can do all the right things, but I can do it out of a place of religious, religiosity. Or I can serve and I can love my wife because I have a revelation of knowing that she loves me and that God has placed us together. Religion makes orphans. Revelation makes sons and daughters. And there's a story in the Bible where Jesus speaks about the orphan son, the son that goes and he runs away. He goes into a deep, far country and he goes and squanders the inheritance that his father gave him. And he goes and he sits and eventually he sits with pigs and he's got to go and he's got to say, eventually he comes to his senses and is like, I'll go back to my father. And I will go and I will ask him if I can just be one of his servants. And the prodigal son goes back home. And when he goes back home and he gets there, the Bible says that when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
And the father went running towards him and loved him. But then there was the older brother. The older brother was also lost because he was in the field. Because you see, the one son was lost in rebellion. The other son was lost in religion. The one son came back repentant. And the other son, we don't know what happened to him. The Bible doesn't tell us. You see, the older brother worked for his father. He did all the things for his father. But yet he didn't know his father. He had everything that his father gave him. But yet he didn't know him. And you see, religion is an attempt on man's behalf, behalf on, on man's, I don't know how to put it. Religion is the man's attempt to grasp God's gift of salvation. As long as it's my effort to reach God, it's no longer about God's grace and His gift through Jesus. We can join a church, we can, we can come and sit here and we can pretend to be religious. I can say all the right Christian lingo. I can dress the right way. In some churches, you've got to dress in a specific way. You come with your suit and your tie and you look all pretty. Anas has got a very pretty hat. You can come and you can wear all the right things. You can come and you can say all of the right things. But yet you have no revelation of who Jesus is. See, religion deprives you of your identity in Jesus. Because you start doing things. You start doing things to try and find God. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. I have no idea where I'm in my notes. I'm just winging it at the moment. There's a scripture where one of the disciples comes to Jesus and he says to him, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus actually says to him, it was Doubting Thomas. And he actually comes to Doubting Thomas and he says to him, he says, Doubting Thomas, you've been with me so long, but when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And then Jesus said to him that when I go, I must send you the comforter because the Holy Spirit comes and reveals Jesus to us. Just like Jesus reveals the Father to us. And when we understand who Jesus is, what he's done for us, the price that he has paid for us, we will not serve him out of a place of religion, but we will serve him because out of a place of revelation. My second point is that an orphan spirit brings out anger in people. Who of you have ever been angry? In Luke 15 verse 28, in the story of the older brother, it says in 15:28, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You know that anger is one letter short of danger. People that live Christianity on a religious level, they become angry people. And angry people become dangerous people. You do have a righteous anger. God is an angry God. The Bible says 
because he's a jealous God. And if we allow anger in our lives with people around us, we allow a door for, the, for demons and for the devil to have a foothold in your life. In Ephesians 4 verse 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not open a door for anger in your life. Even though the older brother worked hard for his father and did all the right things, he still carried anger and resentment in his heart towards his other brother. Because you see, when you come and you do Christian things just out of a place of religion, out of a place of I'm doing it because I have to, people will offend you. You will get easily offended because you have anger in your heart. Because you come to a place of like, but why are they being promoted? Why are they becoming deacons and I'm not becoming a deacon? But I've been serving just as long as they've been serving as a deacon. Why does that oak have a better car than me? I've been working at my job. I've been trying to be faithful and I've been there. But, but they're getting and why am I not getting? And we become angry. Because our hearts are not in that revelation of who Jesus is. Because the orphan spirit is one that pushes a person to be isolated. And that same scripture says he refused to go in. And many times people that are, are hurt in church, that are offended because of an orphan spirit and an orphan heart that they carry, they go and they leave the church and they go sit outside and say, I don't want to be part of church because it's them. They hurt me. Because you see, we carry that in our heart. No one rejected him, but he closed the door on him because his pride wouldn't let him in. Sometimes one of the biggest things that we actually fight with is pride in our own heart. Repent. Repent. And the orphan spirit wants to come and steal because it's the enemy's weapon of taking us away from what God has. See, the older brother found fault in everything that he saw. He looked around and he said to his, his dad, he said to him, yeah, this and this and this is wrong. We so easily find fault. We so quickly point fingers at other people. And when we think like this, it creates a false idea that people don't love me. People judge me. And you know that solitude is something that replenishes you. When you go into solitude and spend time with God, when you get into that place, the Bible says many times Jesus went into a solitary place because he went and he, he sought God, he prayed, spent time with him. And in that place of solitude, he grew into, and, and God spoke to him. But isolation is something that defeats you and kills you. If you take a coal out of a fire and you put it over there and you've got the fire burning over here and there's a piece of coal all here by itself, what happens to that coal eventually? Because there is no heat that is being transferred. 
And this last week, we went to 412, and there was heat that was transferred onto our fire. Can you guys feel the difference tonight? There's something different in our service tonight. It's not because we, we brought coals with us. It was because God did something in our hearts. Because we realized that we are not orphans. We're not a congregation all just by ourselves. But we're part of something so much bigger. And God adds those that are orphans into family. And I think this last year for Warren has been a hard year. It's been a tough year. Because God has been scratching and he's been working at Warren. And yeah, Warren's wanted to run away. Even Kim and I wanted to run away. I think Nolan and Maurice has been wanting to run away as well. We've all wanted to run. Dimitri, you've tried to run. I'm sure you guys have run, tried to run, wanted to run twice. We try and run away because it's uncomfortable. But the thing is, God is so interested in your character and wanting you to step into what he has for you that he won't stop scratching. Because you can run from here, but God will get you at the next church you get to. And he'll carry on scratching because he wants to work inside of your heart because he loves you so much. You guys know why Doubting Thomas was doubting. Imagine my name was written in the book as like, Joking Yaku. Hey, imagine being called Doubting Thomas for the rest of eternity. You know why Doubting Thomas doubted? Because he wasn't there. He was missing because he was isolated on his own. Busy with something else that was more important than Jesus. Because doubts get magnified and amplified in the presence of isolation. Proverbs 8 verse 1. It says an unfriendly, isolated person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. When you're isolated, when you're hurt by the church, you always find people that are hurt and broken so that they can cuddle with you. Afrikaans, soort, soek, soort. It happens. When you're offended in the church, you will... 90% of the time, find someone else that's been offended by church. It just happens that way. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you're in community, when you're in community, you stand, because there's one of the sermons over this week was, we are better together. Better together. And you know what, guys? When you come in church, you, you come and die. You come and die to yourself. You come and die to what you want for the good of others. And it's, it's, it's whack thinking compared to the world. The world says we need to preserve ourselves. We need to look after ourselves. We need to do all of this thing. And that's point number four. It says that the orphan spirit carries a sense of entitlement, unfairness, demand, and control. And the world teaches us to control things because the more you can control it, the better it is. The world teaches us that we are entitled because I am yaku. I'm entitled to this. No, I'm not. 
the only thing that I'm actually entitled to is actually going to hell. That's what I'm entitled to. But you know, the son felt entitled to a goat. But God gave him, a, but his father gave him a farm. He gave him a field. But all he wanted was a goat because he had entitlement, a skew perspective of how he saw things. I really like this music. It's really cool. You guys like it? You see, he lost perspective. The older brother lost perspective because he didn't actually know what the father gave him. Do you know that the father actually didn't own anything? He gave his inheritance and he split it in half and he gave it to the rebellious son and he gave the other half to his other son. So the dad actually threw a party on the son's money because it wasn't even his. And the older brother actually insulted the father because he was the co-host of the actual party and he refused to go in. You see, we as Christians, we get to this point sometimes when we're offended and God doesn't do things our way. We get to this point like, okay, God, I'm going to close myself off now. I'm not going. We sit and we, we bang our toys. Because God, I, I don't want to do this. I can tell you guys, planting this congregation and being part of Josh Jen has been the toughest thing that Kim and I have ever had to walk. You can ask Nolan and Maurice. They know us. There was times, and I've, I've shared it once before, and Andrew always shares this about this little alien coming out of your chest. And it goes, when your flesh comes up. And there's many times where Kim and I, where our flesh has come up and we've like, no, we're not doing this. And then I get a message from Andrew. I'm like, why didn't I see this? Really? And God has come and shifted our hearts. Because we've got a revelation of who Jesus is. It's not, it's not us. It's no longer us. Jesus. The Bible doesn't teach us about entitlement. It teaches us about the grace of who Jesus is. And the thing is, the Bible teaches us about God. It tells us all the stories about who He is. But we need to find God for ourselves. And He gets revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and blows over us and brings new life. Number five, the orphan spirit always focuses on what I did and not on who I am. It becomes jealous of others. Who's ever been jealous of someone else? Yeah. quick to get jealous and then what happens is we get upset and you know what the older brother he missed the whole point of it 
He went to the father and he bragged about all that he did for his father. But he actually never acknowledged himself as a son. In Luke 15 verse 30, he goes and he says to him, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. This son of yours, he didn't even see himself as a son. Because he actually had such a distorted view of who God was, who the Father was. We will not even know that we have an orphan spirit until someone else gets promoted above you. That little alien. You're all good and well. Everything's nice and pretty and lovely until someone else gets something else. There's a very good story in the Bible about Saul and David. They go into battle and David and Saul comes back and as they come back, the, the young maidens, the young ladies, start seeing that Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And the lyrics of one song drove one man mad. So much so that he tried to kill David. Because he became jealous in his heart. Someone's blessing is always going to be your test. And your test can be a blessing if you pass it. You know that the first murder in the Bible happened because of jealousy. Cain and Abel. And you know that God actually warned Cain before he even did it. And he said to him, Cain, don't do it. Don't do what you want to do. But Cain still went and did it. Because of jealousy. You know that God is not a socialist. He loves us equally, but He rewards each one of us according to what we've done. On that final day of judgment, when we stand in front of Him, He's going to come and He's going to say, Ivia, this is what you've done. He's going to say, Des, this is what you've done. He's going to say, Jandre, this is what you've done. And we're going to be rewarded. And what have we built with? Have we built with gold? Have we built with diamonds? Have we built with stone? Have we built with, with wood? Or have we built with hay? And the Bible says that it will literally be like it will be burnt up by fire. And we will get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. Yo gat fella. I got... I, I, yeah, let me not go down there. You know, the jealousy is like your fingernails. And your identity is your fingerprints. You don't cut up your fingerprints. But you've got to trim your nails at least once a week. And jealousy is exactly like that. We constantly need to trim away the things that gets added, that grows. 
so that we can be who God's called us to be. Number six. I'm almost there. You guys okay still? The music putting you to sleep. Number six is orphans cannot access their inheritance. The son didn't know how to access the inheritance that his father gave him. Because he said, because he only wanted a goat. He was happy with the goat. Because he said to him, you haven't even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. But he already had everything. So how do we overcome this orphan spirit? Number one, is we need to build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to keep a list of rules that we want to do to make God happy. We need to know Him. If you do not cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit, sooner or later, rejection, bitterness, and entitlement will creep in and will take root. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit because an encounter fixes entitlement and intimacy is key. We need to know who God is. Number two is we need to renew our minds with the truth of what God says about us, not what we think about ourselves. The father went and called him son, but he only saw himself as a servant. Number three, don't let your food get cold while you're looking at another person's plate. Don't let your food get cold while you look at someone else's plate. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, We do not dare to classify and compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Quite a confusing scripture. Because they themselves were comparing themselves against themselves. And because they were comparing themselves against themselves, they are not wise. I hope you guys got that. Because you see, many times we put ourselves there as a yardstick for ourselves. And like, oh, cool. I, I, I'm cool. But you only got to compare yourself with yourself yesterday. Of what you were yesterday. Because today you're supposed to be more like Jesus. So when you look at yourself yesterday, you should be, today you should be dying more than yesterday. And the day after that, you should be putting more of your flesh to death so that yesterday is you get it? My computer just told me it's nighttime. It's gone dark. Do not covet. It's the tenth commandment. Be grateful. Number four, you cannot overcome an orphan orphan heart if you do not let go of an offended heart. Repent of entitlement. Address assumptions. Address hidden frustration. Because many of us carry hidden frustrations against God. When people don't see you, like, but God, why? Why? Many of us ask that question on a regular basis. 
But you know that God has taken you on your journey because no one else can do your journey for you. The things that you've gone through in your life, you've gone through because God is taking you on your journey because you're the only one that can walk that journey. I was reading this morning a book about martyrs and uh, it was written in 1563 where they tell all the stories about how the martyrs died. And I, I read this and I was like, like the executioners, they, the, these Roman gods go and they take these guys to go and get killed. And while they've got them in prison, they, they get so overwhelmed by these people's love and passion for Jesus that they get saved right there and they go and they kneel and they get executed. Right there. Because they're overwhelmed about who Jesus is. It's time that we stop playing church and we start falling in love with our King and our Savior. And most people that receive God's favor go through a season of unfairness. But they didn't get offended. Because when you go through that season and your heart's in the right place, God does something. Over this weekend, when we were at the conference, there was something that, that the guys did. And Kim and I, we were there and we were standing. And I was like, cool. Doesn't affect me. And I overcame a battle in my own heart. But God dealt with me about something that I had to deal with in me. Because you see, when we die to ourselves and we fall hopelessly in love with Jesus, nothing else is important. You guys still are with me? Matthew 18 verse 7. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. In that word, is a word that is in Greek, it's called escandalon, which means trigger to a trap. It's like a mouse trap where you put the bait on the trap and the animal is caught when it bites the food on the trap. It's not like last year when I showed you guys the video of the mouse doing push-ups with the trap. Not like that. But you do need to know that the enemy always puts traps out there for you. What he does. Who's watched Mousetrap, the movie? Where they have this whole floor full of traps to try and catch this mouse, but it outwits them all the time. See, the enemy wants to catch you in a trap. He wants to... Get you to step on the trigger. And he will put things in front of you. Many years ago, I was still a young man. My mom and dad here today. It's such a privilege to have them here. And my brother. Many years ago, we stayed in a place called Pushka Park in Secunda. Joel knows. And I looked after this one guy's house and I went in to feed his birds. And he had a whole bunch of magazines lying on the floor. 
And I didn't know what this was. I picked them up and I was like, whoa, what's this? It was the Scope magazine. And that was the first time that I got introduced to porn. And I want to tell you guys, for years I struggled with that. For years where that thing was something that was in my heart that I needed to work through. But I can tell you, God has done something. God has done things. Because, and you know what? The enemy will always use that as a trigger. He will always put in things in front of you to try and trip you up. In this conference, one of the guys was talking about him struggling with porn. And guys can't tell me that they don't struggle with that. But the Bible says to us, live in the light as he is in the light. And I'm going to open up just now when we worship again. I know tonight's a long service, but it's because God wants to do stuff. And if you've got sin in your life, if you've got things that you want to be set free tonight, tonight is the night where you need to be prayed for. Because God wants to come and he wants to set us free and he wants to take away this thing of an orphan heart. You know, there are two types of offended people. People that have been mistreated and people that think they've been mistreated. And most of our offenses with other people are actually baseless. Because offense is like an automatic weapon. Once you pull the trigger, it just keeps firing. And when you get offended once, you'll get offended twice. You'll get offended three times. You'll get offended four times. You'll get offended five times. Because it just keeps running. And you know what? You can't give an offense. You can only take it. Pride, control, and offense is the unholy trinity. And they always go together. Because you see, if we can't, with pride, it's always, why must I repent first? Why must I first say sorry? Control is they should come to me. I'm right. They're wrong. An offense is always given, is always taken, not given. Number five to overcoming this is to need to explore our inheritance that God has given us by encountering him. And it doesn't mean name it and claim it, walk around Jericho seven, seven times, kind of stop stuff. It's got nothing to do with that. In 2 Peter 3, 1 verse 3, it says the following. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. At this moment where you are, God has given you everything for life and godliness. God has given you what you need at this moment in time. He's given you the job that you have now because He wants you to do that job. He's given you the food that you eat tonight because He wants to give it to you. Because He is a good, good Father. And our inheritance is only found in God. And number six, my last point. Redefine your win. 
Because the father's success was to get the son back. He wanted to get a son back. That was his success. It wasn't the field. It wasn't the fattened calf. But the father got his son back. And so tonight, are we the, the sons like the older brother? Are we the older brother that got his father's money, but he didn't have his mindset? He got his father's valuables, but he didn't have his father's value. He had his inheritance, but he didn't have his father's heart. And he had his possessions, but he didn't have his father's passion. Where are we tonight? In this place. And we're going to sing a song now that we had over this this week. Got to find it first. And the song's called Wonder. And the song goes, it's called Wonder, and it goes, May we never lose our wonder. May we never lose our wonder. Wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our King. And you are beautiful in all your ways. Because God is beautiful in all His ways. And tonight, as we sing this song, I want, I'm going to invite you guys to stand and once again come to the front and we're going to sing the song together and tonight you might not be a physical orphan you might have always had a mom and a dad. I thank the Lord. I grew up in a household with a mom and dad that loved Jesus. I don't know what it's like to be a, an orphan. But sometimes we carry orphan hearts. And I'm going to open up the floor tonight for you. If you are a person that's got an orphan heart, if there's things that I've said tonight where you do not carry the Father's heart, where you do not carry that stuff inside of you, I want you to come and stand in the front so we can pray for you. Because tonight, God wants to set us free. Tonight, He wants to come and He wants to do something that no man can do. Because He wants to set us free. Because the love of the Father is there for you. Let's not be like the older brother. Let's not be like the older brother that said, but your son. Look what I've done for you, God. But tonight we need that revelation of who Jesus is. Because I can read the Bible till I'm blue in the face. But without the Holy Spirit revelation, it means nothing. Because then I'm religious. I have a religious heart and I've closed myself off to the Lord. But the Holy Spirit brings life. And revelation of who Jesus is. 
Dimitri, can I ask you guys to come and pray? Can I ask you guys to come? Nolan, can you guys come pray for the guys in front of you? And, and if you just in general just want prayer, we want to pray for you tonight. And we're going to sing that song. And let's start with the chorus. You're beautiful. Just like a child staring at 
We're going to sing that one little verse, one little verse. You're beautiful in all your ways. And I want you guys just as a last, just kind of almost if I can say an attempt to worship Jesus, to raise our hands and, and to, to sing it together and saying, you're beautiful in all of your ways. And then I'm going to pray for each one of us. And we're going to go into this week and we're going to trust that we would get a revelation of who Jesus is. That He would come and take our orphan hearts and He would take our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we can be the bride that He's called us to be. And let's sing that together one more time. Let's raise our hands and we, we sing it together. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to even count them, they would unnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord. Father, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that is in this place. Father, you are so beautiful. You're so beautiful in all your ways. Father, you outshine the brightest sun. And so, Father, we pray that as we go into this week, Lord, that you would come and that you would shine into our hearts. Father, come and bring life where there was death. Lord, come and cut off the things in us that need to be cut off so we can become more like you every day. Lord, we're in church because we've come to die so we can live. And Father, we worship you tonight. Father, we thank you for your son that came and paid the price for us. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes and walks with us, brings life into us. And Father, we thank you tonight for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.